So we're talking about Back to the Future this year. And, um, you know, that's our theme. And our, our theme is uh, Back to the Future and getting back to the DNA of the early church because the early church knew a few things that perhaps we've forgotten. The early church got some stuff. And one of the things they really got was how to walk in the Spirit and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Times weren't easy when the church was birthed. And those men and women really got it. They got what it was to journey. They weren't perfect, but they got what it was to walk um, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have our saying, wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. Jesus got it. He walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit did great miracles and, and empowered him to do great miracles. He got it. So wherever, whenever, be like Jesus, we need to get it, what it is to walk in the Spirit. And to live in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I really hope that we're starting to get the fact that the Holy Spirit isn't some mystical force. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. And most of our interaction that happens with God happens through the Spirit. So we need to become comfortable, not familiar, but comfortable Operating in the things of the Spirit, stepping into the Spirit, being comfortable in the realm of the Spirit, operating in spiritual things, spiritual gifts, and these type of things. So the last few weeks, we've, we've talked about um, the Holy Spirit's role in the Trinity, the fact that He's God and what He does. You know, the Father sort of goes, hey, we're going to do this, so Jesus gets it all sorted out, and then the Holy Spirit actually does it. But today, we're starting to talk about the Holy Spirit's role in you and me. Because he is in you. If you're a believer, he is in you and on you and working through you. And we need to become comfortable with that thought and those kind of things. So I want you to get your Bibles ready because we're going to spend most of our time reading some scripture. Google is a pretty cool tool. You know what I'm talking about if I say Google? Everyone knows what I'm talking about if I say Google. Oh, you know, Google's pretty out there. It's cool. It's, it's a great idea. Um, I love Google. I would be lost without Google. It doesn't matter what it is these days. I go and look on Google first. If I want to learn how to do something, I go to Google. If I want to learn how to cook something, I go to Google. If I want to learn anything, I go to Google. It's pretty cool. But did you know that Google is really, really old school? I know you feel like it's the, the modern thing and the way we do it. But it's like old school as. Google is like nothing. God. Holy Spirit, way before Google, beat this. You don't even need a device with Holy Spirit. He lives in you. He wants to talk to you. He just talks to you. You want to ask him something? It's just like straight into your brain. That's cool. Makes Google look a bit redundant, doesn't it? You need some wisdom? Ask Holy Spirit. Straight into the brain. No device required. And then at the end of the day, it's not some computer giving you some answers. Now, it's not like a call centre somewhere on the other side of the world rattling off answers. No, no, he's a personal being, Holy Spirit. He talks to you. Man, this is so much better than Google. It's making Google look old-fashioned and way out of vogue. Holy Spirit is where it's heading. Probably give it time and our technology will go whoop, straight into your brain as well. But it's not there yet. But Holy Spirit's been there for how many thousand years doing that? 
He is very cool, and he wants to keep doing that for us. So today I want to go to the Scriptures to learn a little bit about the Holy Spirit and his role in me. And, um, but before we start, let's talk about a word, because I think it will help you. A word that's often used when referring to the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures. So there's two words that are often used. The first one is paraclete or parakletos, and the second one is pneuma. Well, pneuma is pretty straightforward, it's spirit, but parakletos has a much deeper meaning to it, so it isn't spirit actually, but anyway, but parakletos has, has a, a deep meaning to it, which I think will help us tonight if we understand that before we read the scripture where that word is used. So parakletos is... Um, it's an amazing word, actually. It's translated as comforter, helper, or advocate. So the likes of John 14, verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. It's talking of the Holy Spirit there, but depending on your translation, it could be translated another advocate or another helper or another comforter. Who's never going to leave you? Just a point of um, no, no, I'm not going to go there yet. I'm going to hear hit myself. So, so the the picture is a legal, or the word paints a legal picture. It's it's the sort of word that's used in a courtroom, and you're given an advocate, and the advocate will help you, will help you express what you need to express, will encourage you, will urge you to take the right action, will even even help change thought patterns will help enable others in the room as well. But the advocate is one who helps, one who strengthens, one who supports, one who comforts you. So this is the Holy Spirit. This is the word picture. When, when um, Jesus spoke this, this is the language that he was using was painting this kind of picture. So when I will send another advocate, is don't, don't picture some, you know, energy or something. No, no, picture a helper, one who comes to help, a person who is going to, going to advantage you. So with that in mind, let's read John chapter 14. I hope you've got your Bibles. If you haven't, um, but you've got a phone, just open an app. So John 14 from verse 15. It starts like this. If you love me, obey my commandments. Now, When you read the scripture, what is something that you never do? That's a loaded question, isn't it? Thank you, Pastor Michael. You never read one verse. It's a no-no when you're reading the Bible. Because if you read one verse, you can make that verse say anything you want it to say, essentially. You never read a verse in the Bible. You always read a passage of scripture. At least a paragraph. But preferably, the paragraph you read, you take in the context of the chapter, and in the context, that chapter is in the book, and what kind of writing it is. Because the Bible's made up of all sorts of writings. There's poems, and there's wisdom, and there's letters, there's all sorts of things in here. I read recently, and I really liked it, it said, the Bible is not a book, the Bible is a library. Because it's made up of a whole bunch of books over a 1,500-year period. It's an amazing work of God. So anyway, that was for free. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. 
The thing that jumped out to me right there is he will give you another advocate. So this is Jesus talking. Who's the other advocate? Jesus. Jesus is the advocate. In 1 John 2, 1, it says, My dear children, I'm writing to you so that you will have no sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads for our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is our advocate. And then they say, okay, I'm going to send you another advocate now. Why? Because Jesus is going. You've got to get the context of what's happening here. Jesus is going to go. He's going to ascend to the Father. So I will send you another advocate. God, Holy Spirit. So verse 17. Oh, let's go. Um, slightly before that. He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. Who lives with them now? When this is written, this is Jesus talking. Jesus because he lives with you now and will live in you later. Great, isn't it? No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me since I live. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, the Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. I want to jump forward to verse 23. All who love me, this is Jesus, all who love me, will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make a home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me, and remember my word, sorry, will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. And he will remind you of everything that I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot. So don't be troubled or afraid. I want to jump across to um, John chapter 16. Actually, John chapter 15 and verse 26. Again, he says there, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And then you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of the ministry. Then we jump to sixteen, chapter 16 of John, going from verse 5. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead... You grieve because what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go because if I don't go, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. I love this verse because I love it when the Bible explains itself. And that's about to happen. So, And when he comes, when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin 
and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. That's the world's sin, that it refuses to believe in Christ. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. And judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Prophesy. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. It's a really powerful passage. And you spend some time in there and starting to paint a little picture of what the Holy Spirit's like and his purpose with us and in us. And that he's been sent to live in us, to operate on us, to fill us. It's amazing when you think about it, how good God is. If Jesus hadn't left, if Jesus hadn't ascended to the Father, the Holy Spirit wouldn't have been sent. If the Holy Spirit wasn't sent, you, wouldn't, you and I wouldn't be empowered like we are to live the life that God's called us to live. It's an amazing thought that God has made sure that you and I are well equipped for the life he's called us to live. I think it's fantastic. It's our direct line, our direct, um, uh, direct connection. He is our direct connection to the Trinity. It's an amazing thing. And here's the deal. You're wired this way. You're created this way. It's not odd. You know, oh, I'm hearing a voice. Yep, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. That's not odd. It's the way you're made. It's okay. You're made to hear him speak to you. You're made to encounter him. You're made to walk with him. You're made to take direction from him. It's a, it's a marvelous thing. It really is. So what's the Holy Spirit do in our world? The Holy Spirit, as I said, is a significant or is significantly involved in all parts of our spiritual journey. So Ephesians 1.13 says that when, he, when we give our lives to Christ, he comes into us as a seal or a guarantee of our salvation. That's an amazing picture. That's a, another ancient picture where when something was done and it needed to be made law or whatever, they stamped it with a seal. So when the Holy Spirit, when you say yes to Jesus, invite Jesus into your world, get saved, we say. Jesus comes in. He forgives us of our sin. He renews us. We are born again. Part of being born again is that the Holy Spirit comes into us, lives it, moves in as a seal of our future with God. That's an amazing thought. I'm walking with the seal, a guarantee of my future. It's like, you know, this, this product is guaranteed to do what it says it does. What's that? Consumer guarantee. It's guaranteed to do what it says it does. So that my salvation has been guaranteed by the deposit of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's an amazing thought. If that can't help me wake up in the morning with some hope for the future, I don't know what will. It's an amazing thought. So the Holy Spirit guarantees our salvation. In 1 Corinthians 2.10, he reveals the wisdom of God. 
when we need God's wisdom, we can ask Him. He reveals it. In Acts 4.31, He fills us. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He comes in. It's a deposit. When, he, um, when, when I give my life to Christ, when I'm born again, but then He will fill me as well, which is another experience. We call that baptism of the Holy Spirit. He will fill us, empower us for the life that He's got for us. Acts 1.8, again, he fills us with power. Galatians 3, 2-5, the Holy Spirit is received by faith. Galatians 5.16, through to the end of the chapter pretty much, we see there that the Holy Spirit gives us power, that his power at work in our life causes fruit, good character, good attributes to grow from our life, and he leads us in that. Romans 8.29 says the Holy Spirit instructs us. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says he lives in us. Romans 8.26 talks about him string, our strength in our weakness. 1 Corinthians 12, he gives us gifts. Acts 4.8, he gives us confidence. Acts 13.9, he gives us boldness. All the attributes that we want, all the things we want that we need to live a passionate life for Christ come from the Holy Spirit, been resident in us. Well, I couldn't do that, Sheridan. I'm really quiet. I'm not. Well, I'm, no, no. The Holy Spirit will empower you to do what you're being called to do when you're called to do it. Never say never. Never say can't. The bottom line is this. If we'll embrace the Holy Spirit... Our journey with the Holy Spirit will be amazing. It'll be incredible. It'll be never-ending. It'll be bigger than we realize. It'll be more impacting than we realize in our lives, but in others' lives as well. If we embrace Him and what He wants to do. So I think some of us tonight need to repent from trying to do the Holy Spirit's job. Repent literally means if I'm walking this way, I stop, and I go, okay, and I walk this way. So maybe that means instead of going to some random place for your wisdom, you start to ask God for wisdom. That would be letting the Holy Spirit do his job instead of me doing his job. I know that when God speaks to me in the moment of time, my perspective can change radically because God speaks from a different perspective than a worldly knowledge or understanding. That's just one example. One example. Maybe tonight, as we've been singing, some of us need to invite Holy Spirit to take the lead. In other words, we need to surrender. And out of that surrender will flow obedience. And obedience is a big deal to God. It says we surrender that we can embrace the journey. Maybe tonight some of us simply need to recognize him. You know he's in the room with us now. And you and I are equipped to know and perceive that he's here now. It's the way we've been created. As the meeting's gone on a couple of times, 
the words have been used, why don't you stop and become aware of his presence? We're, we're equipped with that faculty because we're spirit. It's not something odd. We're made to perceive his presence. Maybe we need to stop and recognize who he is and his involvement in my life, his involvement in our world. Maybe that's the shift that needs to take place for you tonight. Maybe some of us need to be filled by him. Maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And tonight, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, ask him. Come at the end and get one of the leaves to lay hands on you and release the Holy Spirit upon you and in you. Change your world. Oh, you might not feel anything. Some people don't. You might feel a whole lot. Some people do. Most people pray in tongues after they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people choose not to. I think they could if they wanted to. I don't know. But you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of us simply need to start paying attention to Him. What's He doing? What's He doing in my world? What's He saying to me now? Where's He guiding me? Why is that prompt? Telling me to go right when I want to go left. Could be the Holy Spirit leading and guiding. Some of us need to thank God for the Holy Spirit and then simply get on with it. There's way too much, I call it red light theology. You know, red light theology is when you wait for God to give you a specific instruction before you will do anything. So you're parked at a red light, waiting, 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 for God to give you permission. But this is how I figure it. I, I like to call it green light theology. I figure that I've, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, if I'm filled with the Spirit of God and He's talking to me and He's advising me and He's counselling me and I'm taking counsel from wise other people, etc., that I need to move and that He'll guide me. It says He guides my feet, my footsteps, doesn't it? My paths. And so I need to move. And what I'm really expecting is that if I'm moving in a way that's not where he wants me to go, he will tell me to stop. That's the red light. And then when we sort that out, the light's green again. So I've got the Spirit of God in me. I want to see his kingdom come. I want to see his will being done. I want to see people's lives transformed. I want to see people touched with the power of God. I want to see science, wonders and miracles on his behalf. I want to see all those things. So I hope most of the time my motives are pushing in that way and I can keep moving until I make, no, that's not a good idea. He says, stop. I can stop. I think it's a far better way to live than waiting for the green light. Waiting, waiting. I love boats. You know, I can sit at the wharf in a boat and I can go like this on the steering wheel all I like, nothing happens. I can sit in my car. Most of us came in cars. You do it when you go to the car park. Sit there and wobble the steering wheel. See if that gets you home. Not going to happen. But if you're moving, boy, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? And allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. Green light theology, I call it.